three, two, one, drop. <laughs> Just kidding. I did not expect the drop there. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Welcome back to Catechize, the podcast where we discuss the historic reformed confessions and catechisms i am your host josh with me as always is my co-host john the divine just yeah just john will do for today you know (laughs) i'm relatable see i'm not divine well a divine neither were the divines (laughs) (laughs) this is not blasphemous again this is the the title preferred by i don't think they i don't know where it came from preferred we know we're talking about (laughs) it's just the common it's a common thing anyways Welcome back. We are jumping back into the catechism going on. This is episode eight, so we're on question seven, and uh, we're, we're moving our way through the, the shorter catechism. So, John, if you, if you want to, why don't you just, why don't you give, give it a read for us? You just, know what we should have done? We should have named the, the first podcast intro, named, named every podcast after that, one through so on. Just occurred to me. I digress. Well, it's too late. <laughs> yeah, we're past that. <laughs> It'll be remedied in season two. All right, here here we go. Question seven. Here we dance. Here we dance. Now here we go. Question seven. What are the decrees of God? The decrees of God are His eternal purpose, according to the counsel of His will, whereby for His own glory He hath foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. <laughs> Well, what a week we have for us. Yeah, <laughs> Again, question seven of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. What are the decrees of God? The decrees of God are his eternal purpose, according to the counsel of his will, whereby for his own glory, he hath foreordained whatever comes to pass, whatsoever comes to pass. Yeah, this is the this is the question where we make friends. Lots of people. Lots love. of friends. Really just this question is, I think. I mean, maybe you'll have some disagreements about the first question, but like God being one and, and God being spirit and God being triune, that's that's pretty universally accepted by all Christian yeah. traditions. Here is where we get pretty distinctively reformed, both in language or vocabulary and in theology. So this is like we're, we're, we're getting into the deep end a, yeah. a little bit with this question. Prepare for battle. Which is gird yourself <laughs> like a man. I want, <laughs> Job, that's so good. I was I wanted to quote that. At, uh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. So basically, this is a lot of what we're going to be talking about today is like, you know, if in casual conversation you might call this like talking about predestination or something like well, that. Well, predestination Loosely. is like a consequence of the assertion that God has a decree. Yeah. But it's not like his decree isn't predestination. Correct. Predestination is a, a component part, I guess, or, yeah. or a consequence. But of if, if you're summing it down, if like any conversation you've had about predestination can be related back to this. Can be. Yeah. yeah. Well, it not was, saying you do. But, well, yeah. well, that probably wouldn't be helpful with many of those conversations. Yeah. But yeah, this is kind of the foundation of that uh, as well as other things. That's yeah. That's basically um, what I mean. Yeah. And this, I mean, Really, this is the foundation for, which is what we'll talk about in the next couple of weeks, um, God's works, the things that God is doing. The, the the catechism divides God's works into his works of providence and his works of creation. And that's going to be the next couple or several questions after this one. So don't worry about those terms and things quite yet. But this is the kind of backbone of those realities as well. This question is, is talking about the decree of God, which is basically the idea that God has a plan and it mm-hmm. is going to happen. Now, Josh, <laughs> it has happened, it is currently happening, and it will happen. Quick question And it for includes you. everything that has happened. Go ahead. I was going to say, when, um, just hypothetically, when did these decrees come about? The decree. Well, actually, it says the decrees. Yeah, so, like, technically speaking, there is one decree of God. Everything that happened, but like that you can further break down like his decree concerning salvation. Then that's where you really get into predestination and things like that. Um, But this was like God in eternity past before he made anything decreed all that ever would be. Mm. Oh, John, I just thought of another heresy that we could have done. I'll tack it on at the end. Uh, this is a on. little teaser. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> do a little double bonus. Double jeopardy oh, this man, week. This is going to be so much fun how to make friends and influence people yeah uh, weekly heresy <laughs> anyways um yeah so before god did anything he planned everything and, and everything that happens happens in accordance with this plan basically and so as we 
discuss this question, that's what we're going to be discussing this idea and this reality that that God has for that God has ordained everything that 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 has is or will happen mm. has happened is happening or will happen to be grammatically correct if we're not going to be mathematically strong we should at least be grammatically yeah, our correct. grammatic should be grammatically <laughs> oh, <laughs> i was i was trying to think of how how, Grammar. To, how to leave <laughs> no i was trying to think of a way to mess up that sentence but that actually wasn't the way i was thinking of <laughs> so well you did it it worked it worked for me <laughs> that's incredible Anyways, our grammatic. <laughs> that's <laughs> that is basically what we're talking oh, about good. today. Not our grammar, um, the 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 decree of God, the plan of God. Um, yeah. So yeah. so as kind of a foundation and a support and an explanation of of this, as well as a a biblical foundation for both the theology of God's decree and the a biblical foundation for the language used when we talk about God's decree, we're going to read a decent chunk of Ephesians 1. So, John, why don't you read Ephesians, was it 1, 3 through 14? Yeah, let's do it. Here we go. Here we dance. <laughs> it's Pray- the second time I'm making that dumb reference. I, it's David S. Pumpkins. I can't help it. Every <laughs> time I say, any, like, here we go slowly, it just occurs that way. All right, it's going to be a long section, so sit tight. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, and he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the time uh, when the time will have reached their fulfillment. Times, I guess. To bring all things in heaven and earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promise, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, deposit guaranteeing our... In- <laughs> Man, I am bad at reading. <laughs> who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance under the redemption of those who are God's possession the praise of his glory i gotta be honest i think the esv is easier than the niv really i was following along in my esv and it It wasn't better all right this isn't a good excuse this is a very small bible print's kind of small my eyes aren't known for being as locked they are a little shaky yeah that's correct they literally shake okay that's something for the public (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, so this passage is where we get a lot of both the theology and the vocabulary for talking about God's decree. Now, it's not just yeah. like we picked out. It's not like we we didn't do anything. It's not like <laughs> it's not like the reformers and then those following the Reformation at like the Synod of Dort or then eventually at, at, at Westminster were just pulling the idea of God's decree out of Ephesians 1 only. This is according to the, the whole counsel of God. Yeah. As one of my professors, I think he was a church history guy. Maybe he wasn't even my professor. I forget who said this. A professor. Maybe it was your dad. At one of the no, campuses of RTS, because it could have been an online thing, said the Hebrew version of history was, if it happened, God did it. And I think that's a great, I mean, yeah. it's obviously just kind of like a pithy, hey, summary. Boom, um, yeah. But I think that's helpful. And that, that that's expressed in a lot of the Old Testament passages as well, which we'll get into later. But this passage really focuses in on this doctrine, I think. It specifically, or Paul specifically applies the doctrine and understanding of God's decree, what we would call God's decree, Paul wasn't calling it that, to salvation. But he's also appealing to broadly what we mean when we say that God has decreed all things. Because you have language in in these verses that, that God is acting, that he's predestined before the foundation of the world for us to be adopted according to the purpose of his will. And then that's verse four. Uh, no, five. 
<laughs> and then again <laughs> and then again verse 9 according to the per- according to his purpose and then in verse 11 again in him we've obtained an inheritance having been predestined what according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will and that language is taken ex- expressly and put in in, used in the in the catechism question and yeah. answer but paul who is talking about the salvation of christians specifically the ephesian church is talking about how their salvation is a part of god working out his greater plan this greater yeah. plan to unite all things into christ this greater plan that is according to the counsel of his will and again we see also throughout this passage that god is doing these things for his glory yeah. so praise to the praise of his glorious grace in verse six and then again in verse 12 to the praise of his glory and so on and then in verse 14 to the praise of his glory and so this idea that god has planned out all things Hmm. and he will accomplish all things for his glory is is i think pretty clearly in ephesians 1 and in ephesians 1 is in agreement with the rest of scripture yeah. and oh yeah you see you see like this isn't well first of all this isn't just an ephesians thing and this isn't even just a new testament thing there's like you were saying the hebrew understanding was that god did everything right basically and you see that throughout the old testament as well i don't i didn't think to write out a bunch of passages beforehand i got a couple hit me um, well, I'll, I'll, all right, hit me later. We've got a schedule, John, <laughs> or a thing. You're it's right, a very yeah. loose, <laughs> a very loose, direction. loose structure. Yeah, um, but we're gonna go with it. But yeah, so you, it's it's something like you were saying. We see right. in other places, right? So. And so to build off of this biblical foundation, I just like I think it's helpful to briefly summarize again. What what do we mean when we say, or when we are talking about the Catechism, which states that God has a decree or that God's decrees yeah. are? What do we mean by that? What What is the divine decree? What is God's decree? Voss says that basically it's the truth that God has an inclusive and exact plan for the universe, which he has created. Boom. That's the decree of God. Yep. That God has an inclusive and exact plan for the universe, which he has created. That's the most concise thing I've ever heard Voss say, I guess, but... <laughs> you're not wrong but i like it <laughs> when he wants to be concise man he really can be it's a shame he doesn't shame want to he, be more he often doesn't really ever want to be <laughs> herman boffink whoo also from the dutch tradition i know um writes in in the opening of chapter seven in the, the volume the second volume of his reform dogmatics <laughs> i love how you acted like like there's so many people sitting at home like oh my gosh not another one from the dutch tradition Anything yeah, you're right. That, no gosh. one, <laughs> like, no one is criticizing yeah. me for that. Sorry. But he writes, God's decrees and works do not exhaust the possibilities of His wisdom and knowledge. They are an exercise of His free and absolute will, and will be realized in God's own time. All God's decrees, even election and reprobation, are made visible to us in progress of history. History. They are, however, rooted in God's eternal foreknowledge and foreordination, which stands forever and will come to pass. God's purpose of election is antecedent to the facts of history. History serves to affirm that preexistent purpose. And then some other things to get more specific into that yeah. that doctrine uh, of election. But he's basically talking about God's plan, his foreknowledge and foreordination is not determined by history. History is determined by it. And then just, I guess in my own words, basically God's decree is God ordaining whatever happens. Yeah. maybe how i would summarize it is or at least summarize one thing bavink was saying was basically god came up with everything before the world began but it's revealed to us over the course of history as it happens right yeah there's so much here (laughs) so it's hard to focus one thing that i think (laughs) is helpful before we dive into some of these specifics and the complex complexities of the question um, is thomas watson who um was was a divine just like me right <laughs> he connects god's decrees with his immutability that god is quick to find immutability again well i was just about to go ahead that god does not and cannot change Boom. um and because god does not and cannot change his counsel his plan does not and cannot and will not change okay and so when god has a decree when god says this is what will happen it's what will happen yeah and so if god creates creation dumb <laughs> in a well, way <laughs> it will exist in that way and it's not just that it will abide by the laws which god has created it to abide by but it will also follow the trajectory that he has planned and written for it yeah that that everything that happens from the moment that he first spoke creation into existence until 
forever happens in accordance with the way God has ordained for it to happen. Mm. And there's already probably this big tension that's building in everyone's head when we hear this, which is this tension between divine sovereignty and human responsibility. So this seems hyper-deterministic and hyper-robbing of any sort of human freedom. Like we're Uh, all just puppets. Right. Nothing is real. We're just kind of... God said, this is what moment from point A of creation indefinitely, this is everything that will happen and how it will happen, which he did. but, But we then quickly, because of a lot of things we'll talk about in a second just say well then that means that everything is everything is determined so people are robots and nothing matters and culpability is not man's and and god is responsible for all sorts of things and and so that's i think what we'll spend a little bit of time talking about is this tension created in our minds when we think about the reality of god's unchanging decree yeah this is uh this is gonna be interesting because yeah the the thing the the I think the main thing that we are trying to argue, so I guess this is like a little bit of like a thesis sort of in a way. Sure. Is when we like the human mind or I guess the human reason basically cannot hold both to be true at the same time. So it's either that God ordained it and I have no choice, or that I decided to do it and God in a sense, had no choice. Right. And I think the issue is that the Bible doesn't hold that same, like, Understood. dichotomy. Right. That the Bible teaches that God is sovereign and has ordained all things. The Bible also teaches that people are responsible for what they do. And it doesn't tell you how those things can coexist with each yeah. other. And this is where those passages that I was talking about from the Old Testament I yeah. think will come in. In Isaiah. Isaiah. <laughs> Genesis, very similar books. Uh, yeah, Certainly really not. close to each other. Yeah. Stupid. In Genesis. Genesis. <laughs> Good gracious. <laughs> I just had a coughing fit. That's not the virus. Well, Anyways. Uh, I got it now. If, if I, will it start, <laughs> I will start in, in verse 15 of chapter 50, but the verse, of Genesis. the verse, yeah, of Genesis is, is 20. So Genesis 50, 15 through 20 reads, when Joseph... <laughs> when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to, uh, oh my gosh. So they sent a message to Joseph <laughs> saying, your father gave us this, this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive their transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of your the servants of God, of your father, Joseph wept uh, when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for I, for am I in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Again, verse 20 of chapter 50 of Genesis. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And so there's this, if you if you remember that classic felt board story of Joseph and his brothers, Joseph has some dreams, they're accurate, his understanding of them is accurate, his presentation of them is probably a little too arrogant. It's not great. Um, that partnered with a little bit of favoritism. Uh, Arguably le- a good amount of favoritism. Right. Lance yeah. Joseph. Also, one of my favorite fun facts of this passage is that in Hebrew, the thing that we translate the coat of many colors is just the coat with long sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> There's no... Where did many colors come no from? <laughs> it's just long sleeves. I don't... I don't know. That is hilarious. Isn't that great? <laughs> anyways joseph is not his brother's favorite and so he is uh well they like throw him in a hole and they're like let's kill him and they're like maybe we don't kill him but we make him a slave sell him into slavery right so he's a slave and then as a result of this he is mistreated by his his owner's wife argue and then thrown in jail and not even arguably and not yeah. even arguably just is and all these horrible things happen to him and his brother's like wow we really we really did him did him dirty <laughs> and, and so they're scared probably fairly 
And Joseph is like, no, you have the wrong perspective of this whole situation. I am not in the place of God. All of these evil things that you intended to do evil, Joseph's brothers meant to harm Joseph. Joseph is saying, God meant all of those things. God meant the evil of me being thrown into the pit and me being a slave and me being in prison. Yeah. God meant all of those evil things to happen so that many people would be saved from the famine at Israel's people were saved from the reality that god meant those things to happen to save people does not get joseph's brothers off the hook for the evil that they did yeah they are still responsible for their human responsibility and the fact (laughs) that god meant the same events that joseph's brothers meant for evil does not make god the author of evil yeah which is where we'll inevitably get and we'll talk about that in a little bit but there's a clear distinction that there is one thing that happens the decree of god that decree of God is for good, to save many people. And yet, Joseph's brothers, freely acting within that decree, do evil things and are culpable for those evil yeah. things. And Isaiah 10 is is a similar place where um, God uses Assyria to destroy his sinful people and then punishes Assyria for mistreating his people because God's will is to use them as, as his means of justice and their will is to horribly conquer, brutally kill people. Right. Yeah. And so they are guilty of the evil things that they do, even though they are a tool in Yahweh's hand. Yeah. And so there is a clear distinction in coexistence of God's sovereignty and human responsibility. Yeah. And I think I think the classic example of this also, and maybe this, I might have just cut you off because you were going to talk no, about you're, this. I was, you're but fine. Uh, it's like Pharaoh's heart, right? Um, in the in the Exodus account where it's you know Moses is in Egypt doing all these miracles, and then it says it'll you it it'll say something about Pharaoh's heart being hardened, and it's either he hardened his own heart or God hardened it, and it kind of just goes back and forth, right? And it's like, wait, who the heck is hardening his heart? Yeah. And how is it fair if God's hardening his heart that he's punishing for it? Yeah. Well, because Pharaoh's hardening his own heart as well. It's both. It's yeah. It says both. Pork and all dose. Like that little <laughs> girl from the taco shell commercial. Is that a thing? Yeah. Because her family's arguing about if they want hard shell tacos or soft shell tacos. Cheesy gordita crunch. Later. <gasps> and she just walks into the room and she's like, pork and all dose. I love that commercial, and there's a gift that... Anyways, <laughs> why not both? And that's the truth. We, we get both. We get God is sovereign, and humans are responsible. It's it's not a thing that we can yeah. connect in our reality. What was your... You I, you have like a... You've told me before. It's like a Spurgeon or something. Analogy. Oh, the analogy from Spurgeon. Yeah. It's famous-ish. Like famous you, you in made certain it, right? circles. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but he's basically like like a train like a train conductor on a train, he looks down the tracks in front of him and he sees the two rails of the tracks and they are parallel and they do not come together in any way. They're they're they don't cross. They don't cross, they don't meet, they're running um, without ever crossing. And yet if he looks to the horizon, he sees I mean, they obviously don't actually intersect in the horizon, but he sees the two rails of the of the train tracks meet on the horizon yeah and spurgeon is like so it is with divine sovereignty and human responsibility what seem to be irreconcilable to us now will meet in eternity yeah which is a helpful i think analogy it's i think like, it is. this thing is a thing that cannot be reconciled now but but it works yeah and it, and it maybe will be yeah no it's honestly it, it really is i don't know it just comes down to this like the bible says this even though even though it, it doesn't fit comfortably into our like philosophy or rationality or the categories that we say work yeah 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 even though it doesn't fit into that i would rather believe what the bible says than what i say in a sense yeah 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 yeah. or what i'm comfortable with maybe yeah i i have a great analogy (laughs) it's not i'm excited i'm excited for two reasons because you're (laughs) excited about this and because analogies are always good well no sorry (laughs) Analogies, if they're good, are also always bad because they're like oh, no analogies. This one's perfect. bad. Don't so worry. So I'm excited because you're excited <laughs> and because yourself. I want to see how this is helpful, knowing that it will inevitably fail. All right, here we go. <laughs> Here's my analogy. If you've seen any of the Marvel movies, also I guess major spoilers. <laughs> Crap. Yeah. If this is it's about, about- game. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely um, major spoilers. Yeah, okay, so... That movie's been out a year. Yeah, it's been out a year. If you haven't seen Endgame at this point, you're not a big enough fan that... You're at least one, maybe 20 movies behind. Yeah, you're... Okay. <clears throat> you're fine. But anyway, if you're familiar with this movie, what happens in the movie is... I don't want to summarize the whole thing. I'm going to assume 
Just assume. Basically, the bad guys. Okay, basically. <laughs> all right, here we go. Thanos is a bad guy, and he's he's got this giant glove that's going to kill everyone, and he's super powerful. And Doctor Strange is this character who has the ability to kind of mess with time. He's a wizard. Yeah, he's like a wizard, sort of. In in the movie, they he's like doing this thing with the time and jumping around in time, and they're like, what? He's basically looking into the future, and they're like, how many um like how many possible futures are you seeing? And he's like tens of thousands. And then they're like, how many do we win? The good guys are asking this, and they and he says only one. And <laughs> so as the movie progresses, um, they get to the end, and there's this basically the moment where um, Iron Man takes you know tricks Thanos, basically takes the glove, and they win. And there's a, a moment where Doctor Strange holds up a finger, and it's just like he's reminding just, he's being Iron like, Man, this like, is the one, right? And so I think it's interesting to ask who actually was the one who saved the day. Who saved the day? Was it Doctor Strange oh. or was it Iron Man? Because Iron Man is the one who, <laughs> who got the glove and snapped it, but Doctor Strange was the one who ensured that they were in the right future. And well, and he's the one. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. So What's but, funny first? I'm not going to say it, but you have you've touched on the the error that I was going to add to the heresy of the week. <laughs> <coughs> so Good. even more to look forward to oh, later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is an analogy, obviously. Obviously, neither of them is God. But the point is, is that both of them are responsible for the victory. Right. Because the one opportunity that Doctor Strange you know, brought about orchestrated was the one where Iron Man did as he was supposed to. Right. Um, to save the day. Right. And so, like I said, not a perfect analogy by any stretch of the imagination. But my point is, is that both of them are responsible yeah. um, in the same way that when it comes to, you know, divine sovereignty and human responsibility, both somehow God has created a space where both function and have meaning beyond one just being like a token thing right and it's this well this is a good opportunity that's not bad thank you i mean it, I'm, i get to talk about it later about oh, why good. it's wrong but <laughs> but it's not bad and it helps us it gives us a, an opportunity to talk about primary and secondary causes right that god is the primary cause but there are secondary causes that are used by god and the secondary causes yeah. if they're human are culpable and responsible pretty proud of that one that's good <sighs> not bad so there, there are, I think, several tricky things when we talk about sovereignty yeah. and responsibility and God having a decree that incorporates all things. And that the first thing that I've identified is this idea of selective sovereignty, where you're like, like that person who has 18 Christian bumper stickers on the front of their car, on the back the front of their car, on the <laughs> yeah, back of their car, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like one of them is like, God, ha- God is in control, or God has a plan. Uh, and and we really like the idea that God is sovereign and God is in control yeah. when it's in the midst of a scary thing or, oh my gosh, do you remember that song by Carrie Underwood, Jesus Take the Wheel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's Take like, from let go hands. and let God, like yeah. God is in control. And so it's like when we're in a moment where we're about to crash our car or whatever that song was about. Or it was about, yeah. It can't be what that was. <laughs> I think she was like driving home and it was unsafe or something. I don't know. Maybe not. I'm probably making that up. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna look up the lyrics right now. Okay. <laughs> but the point is is that people really like God to be sovereign when it's helpful and convenient. When I am sick, I have peace knowing that God is in control. When when we are in a worldwide pandemic it is really good to know that God is in control. When things aren't going my way, it's really comforting to know that God is in control. But the second that the reality of God having a plan branches out into other categories theologically, we don't like it. We don't like to say that God has a plan for who will be saved and that he has chosen from before the foundations of the world whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yeah. And so because I have to have freedom to choose whether or not I am saved and am damned. Um, and so there's this selective sovereignty, I think, that's pretty popular in American Christianity, where we like God to be in control and sovereign when it's helpful and convenient. But when it's intellectually or emotionally hard for God to be in control, we want to just dismiss it. Or we can often use it as like an excuse for an action. Like, 
well, it's in God's hands now. It's like, well, maybe you should try harder <laughs> yeah, also. Like, maybe you shouldn't have just given up right there. Yeah, Speaking of which, Jesus Take the Wheel, first verse, is entirely about driving. Is it like, really? It's, she, this it's, is a painfully literal I'm not, song. I'm not going to read the whole thing, or I won't read almost any of it, but it starts with, she was driving last Friday on her way to Cincinnati on, on a snow-white Christmas Eve. And, that, and the rest is just like... Uh, she had a baby in the back seat and she was stressed and so she wasn't Wait, paying like attention. Wait, the baby was in the back seat or she gave birth in the back seat? N- no, there was a baby <laughs> in the back seat. Okay. <laughs> she, she's driving home while giving birth. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's yeah, regardless. She, straight I, up, she hits black ice and is like, oh. Jesus, take the she wheel. She throws her hands up in the air and that's what. And then it goes into the chorus, which is the only part that I can hear yeah. <laughs> in my head. Right I can't now. think of it either, but. Yeah, I think that is a problem. Selective sovereignty is not helpful. Yeah. And it's not biblical. Yeah. It's like the benefits of the thing without wrestling with maybe the stuff that is harder intellectually. Oh, yeah. We like being in control when it's good for us. Right. Or, you know, like when it comes to – honestly, the, the there's so many times Paul talks about boasting. And we're like, no boasting. But in this situation, there is this little bit of like, we like to be able to say, I chose God. Sure. So when it when it when it comes down to, and this is probably where the the divine decree, the like the reality of the divine decree as it applies to salvation with God's foreknowledge and predestining mm-hmm. and electing and so on, is probably where there's the most pushback against this yeah. assertion that this is a biblical thing. I think well maybe there's two like the well that makes everyone robots God's sovereignty and human responsibility human responsibility and then Doctor Strange and Iron Man right and then God s- choosing who he's gonna save those are the two big push it backs against yeah. well two of the three we'll go to the third next <laughs> and you said the main one and then you're I like know. well there's two <laughs> actually that's two of three <laughs> sorry mm, that's all right. But yeah, so so the Bible does teach divine sovereignty and human responsibility, and it doesn't feel the need to reconcile them. Yeah, um, it does teach that God has a plan for everything, and that's good news because of really hard situations, and because He has chosen to save a people to Himself. That's yeah. good news. Read Ephesians one. Paul is like rejoicing in this. It's 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 great, um, but it is hard intellectually and emotionally to to say that that God has chosen. And we'll get to this when we get to. The questions more applicable um, later on. One, but, one, I think one quick clarification, just because I, I didn't understand this for quite a while before I was um, be- became like Presbyterian reformed. Theology. Yeah, right. is when you say God chooses, it's not that like the world goes as is, and then when you die, God flips a coin and it's like well, right. I guess he's saved. Like, which is why it's really good to have a good understanding of the decree. Yeah, my point is basically just that like. I thought for the longest time, like, it didn't even matter if you were a Christian on earth because it all was just up in the air oh, wow. or, like, God would decide sure. at, at the end. Sure. Like, and so I but had— it's really arbitrary. I was like, predestination sounds terrible because, like, because then, like, I might be, you know, Mother Teresa or, you know, someone like that who's who you're like, surely they are saved, might not be saved because right. God didn't predestinate. Right. And that's not how this Well, this works. is actually in— in high school in world history we were going through the reformation and public school also yeah and the the teacher was talking about john calvin's doctrine of election and this one friend of mine from the football team was like wouldn't it be hilarious he looks over me in class and he's like wouldn't it be hilarious if i was chosen and you weren't i was like that's not how that works (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) but it's the same idea that you're talking about yeah but again we'll get into that when we talk about salvation later on the other thing so we have a hard time with us being free and God being in control, but those are both taught in Scripture. Yeah. We have a hard thing with God predestining, foreknowing, and electing a people unto himself, not arbitrarily, but according to the counsel of his will, saving and predestining his people. We have a hard time with that often. Yeah. And then the last is that, well, if God's in control, then God does wicked things. Then God is responsible for all of the horrible things that people do because if he decreed it, Right, because that's what the question says, and I think the question accurately represents what Scripture teaches: that God decrees whatsoever will come to pass. So that includes like the Holocaust and other genocides and other wars and other diseases and other pandemics. Or on the simplest level, you could say: so this argument goes is basically that God made Adam. God said, "Adam, don't eat from the tree." God made Adam eat from the tree. God punished Adam for eating from the tree. Right, 
and so it seems really unjust it's it, it, this the a misunderstanding of god's decree makes god seem both unjust and himself the source of all sin and wickedness yeah and because it's good to recognize when people do things better than you do which is kind of the whole idea <laughs> of this yeah podcast um i want to read a quote from an article written by jay gresham machin about this idea of god and, and his relationship to sin he writes he god does not tempt the men to sin he does not influence them to sin he causes uh the bringing to pass of those deeds by the free and responsible choices of personal beings he has created those beings with an awful gift of freedom of choice the things they do in exercise of that gift are their acts they do not indeed surprise god by the doing of them their doing of them is part of his eternal plan yet the doing of them they and not the holy god are responsible mm. and so he just kind of clarifies that when you take this idea of god's sovereignty and your responsibility and you apply it to the sinfulness of men yes they they do this in accordance with God's eternal plan, but they're the ones doing it and they're doing it in accordance with their free will. Yeah. Again, this only is appeasing if you accept the distinction of sovereignty and human responsibility, yeah. but, but it is a helpful reminder. God being the author of all things that have happened, even that sinful things happen in his eternal plan does not make him responsible for those sinful things because yeah. in his eternal plan, those people freely choose to do the wicked things uh, that they do and are responsible for them yeah at creation he says it was good um, yeah. so it's not like he made people like it was good but there was a you know a a ticking time bomb of sin within them that he had put there you know <laughs> like <laughs> it, it was good and they were given the choice to do things mm -hmm. so and every evil thing that's done is done by the free choice of a creature that god yeah. has made in accordance with his eternal plan yeah but his eternal plan does not compromise their freedom of choice. Yeah, and the free choice is declared good. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's not that we're puppets. God created us with choice, and it was good. Yeah, that wrap, that, I think I've, I've said everything I've got to say. Do you have anything else before we jump? Now let's, All right, let's, 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 let's move into that next thing. segment, the hymn of the week. That's week's not the hymn. Of the week. <laughs> <laughs> also, that's been stuck in my head for maybe like two years now. So two years. Sorry, <laughs> that's pretty good. You're going strong. <laughs> this hymn of the week <laughs> comes from um, Romans eleven thirty three, which reads, "Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable His judgments and His paths beyond uh, tracing out." And that's a great and relevant passage as well. That mm. if we had more time, we could spend time on. But it's like this. The ways of God are above us, or in Deuteronomy 29, the end of 29, the revealed things are for us and the hidden things mm. belong to God. God has revealed that he has a plan. God has revealed that he is sovereign. God has revealed that we are free or that we have free choice. Yeah. The reconciliation of those things is not for us to do because God's ways are not our ways. The depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God is unsearchable and beyond us. Uh, yeah. And this is hymn 109 um, in the Trinity hymnal. Uh, Lord, uh, my weak thought in vain would climb. And I'm going to read the first and fifth verses. Do it. Lord, my weak thought in vain would climb to search the starry vault profound. In vain would wing her flight sublime to find creation's utmost bound. Be this my joy, that evermore thou rulest all things at thy will. Thy sovereign wisdom I adore, and calmly, sweetly, trust thee still. And there's other elaborations that are really good in the middle verses, but this hymn just kind of is focusing on this reality that that God's ways are above ours and we trust him still. In our weakness, we try and understand it and it's good to, and we ought to try and understand the reality that, that God has decreed all that comes to pass and that God has, uh, that we seek to understand how that works out in our life and our experience, but recognize the limit of our ability and yeah. to trust him still when our ability reaches us to its end. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's helpful. This is just kind of, I guess, explanatory maybe, but it's helpful to see this sort of thing in hymns to realize like, these are not just floating, you know, doctrines out in the void that don't matter to anyone. They should inform how we do everything else. Yeah. Yeah. That, that our theology matters and that we ought to worship God in accordance with our understanding of who he is theologically. It's good to proclaim truth is about god because 
we we praise God by by reiterating and proclaiming who he is, the one whose ways are not ours, whose plan is above us. And we also put ourselves in place in that sort of worship when we praise God for who he is in recognition of who we are. It was a weird hiccup. <laughs> when we praise God for who he is in recognition of who we are, it helps us remember and trust in the distinction between yeah. the creator and us as creature. Yeah. yeah. Well, Shall we uh, discuss a little heresy? Heresy of the week. Let's heresy pick a fight in the, the heresy week. of the week, John. Yeah. Doubling pick, down, actually, this week. Picking a fight. Oh, yeah, because you got to get the one that I have committed. Right. <laughs> With my analogy as commit. Um, Do you have any idea what I'm alluding to? I don't, but I I actually kind of forgot about it. <laughs> so <laughs> I haven't thought about it. Well, the other thing is there's so many issues, like, with the fact, with that analogy, if you're going to, like, really break it down right, but anyway. there's one where it explicitly compromises the idea of god having a decree you go first i'll go first <laughs> all right so today we're going to be talking about <laughs> open theism <laughs> this is very npr of you <laughs> so today thank you for doing um yeah so open theism. i actually heard about this for the first time i think when i went to college and oh yeah and there was like it was kind of like trendy at the time, I think, to be like, yeah, I'm kind I of I think open we were theist. pretty on the tail end of open theism's trendy days. Really? When yeah. was it trendy? The 90s? Really? Yeah. Well, I wasn't, I didn't know anything in the 90s, so, <laughs> so, yeah. But it's, it's, it's old, at least. Old. Yeah. It's not old, but it's not in its heyday anymore. Yeah. Open theism's on its way out. But basically, open theism is this view that it, it basically is saying that, like, God does not know the future. Right. Period. The future is open. The future, the future is, is open. open, as opposed to the decree, which believes that the future is determined. Yeah, and the I was actually on like open like an open theism website, Ooh. um, and they kind of spin it in this like God is free, like yeah, like God, you know, God doesn't is not bound to these decrees to determine. God can do as He wills. Right. Um, and that's kind of how they spun it, which I thought was. I don't know. I thought that was kind of weird, but but I guess if you gotta if you gotta spin it some way, you know, right? Might as well as if as if God freely decreeing all things compromises his freedom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because God forbid. But yeah, so this is the heresy of the week. Basically, as you can tell, it pretty much entirely dismisses any sort of like, um, <laughs> any sort of foreknowledge, any sort of sovereign decree. Yeah, it basically is just saying like. God is living history like we are. Right. Um, he he knows, well, this is, as I understand it, he knows what he will do in the future, but he doesn't know how any other free acting creature will act. And so the, the future is undetermined because God only knows what he will do because even a knowledge of what another person would do would, would be deterministic or whatever. Yeah. I feel like there's so many problems with that in terms of like biblical prophecy, <clears throat> like how can he prophesy all these things and have them come to pass and any sort of confidence yeah i think one of the consequences that i've heard people talk about of open theism is that like god doesn't know if he'll win in the end yeah <laughs> which is weird which is, yeah. but i'm thinking i'm thinking even like very like tangibly of like isaiah prophesies of cyrus the great coming right. in releasing the people 100 200 years beforehand yeah how how the heck would isaiah know that if yeah. god did not know Cyrus the Great. He prophesies by name that it's Cyrus right. the Great. Yeah. Um, or well, John, that's why we never. <laughs> <laughs> or even like Josiah is similarly. Sure. He's prophesied in uh, like first or second Kings, right. and he doesn't come about for hundreds of years. But yeah, prophesied by name, also like not God. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, what's interesting also, I watched a debate a while back with an open theist, and God knows what happened in the future, and He also knows why the things in the past happened but mm. that false gods can't tell you what will happen nor can they tell you why stuff in the past happened mm. and the reason god can do that is because he has a decree that includes all things past and present but an open theistic god doesn't have a decree and so not only could he not know isn't there understanding of god's knowledge is that he knows everything that can be known and because the future is undetermined he doesn't he know it can't know it right. yeah I think that is the I think that's the way they spin it. The okay, so the thing is first of all, it kind of makes God a slave to time. Which is like yeah. which is also Doctor Strange-ish, but <laughs> we won't get into that. <laughs> no. Um but yeah, it, it's basically like time 
it it there's a sense it's almost like time is over it has like is more powerful than god because god can't control it right um yeah open theism bad (laughs) yeah and the last thing i was going to say is i think um it's also helpful to to notice kind of the the reason why such a view is desirable sure yeah Um, good point and one thing about it is that like i mean i don't think anyone an open theist would necessarily be like yep that's me but at the same time it gives man more power when you understand god's decrees is determining everything you realize that he is the one saving you and is in control when you have this open theistic view where god doesn't really know what's going to happen it's like your actions are like hugely important oh, all yeah. of a sudden like you are the determiner of the future and whether or not you accept christ is like this huge decision that god has no control over and so you're doing god a favor by doing this sure and so it it takes god's power and gives it to man in a lot of ways yeah, yeah. and it also rids us of any of the logical mental tensions or any of the emotional tensions that we talked about earlier yeah. It just dissolves those. Yeah, in a way, it's it's if man was making up a religion, that would fit better with it. Yeah. Whereas if if God was coming up with one and his ways are well, not our <laughs> ways, then... God doesn't come up with religion. You know what I mean. But, but if, if a religion in accordance with how God has revealed himself. Yes. Well said. <laughs> Sorry. Um, if, That's annoying. But yeah, if... You know what I mean, though. Yeah, you're right. Like, he he wouldn't have to make it to fit our understanding. So, John, you want to know what, what heresy or analogy committed? Hit me. Okay, so first of all, open theism is categorically and fundamentally an actual heresy. Like, it, is, it compromises the nature of God. Yeah. This is just one of those errors that we put in the heresy of the yeah. category. No more, no guesses? No, hit me. It's Molinism. Oh, <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> because this I know is exactly what you're talking about. Famed yeah. Molinist, well, Molina, they, they's yeah. old, like an ancient, not ancient, but like medieval roman catholic theologian i think as far as i understand the two accepted roman catholic understandings of god's saving of people and his and his plan are either thomistic thomas aquinas or molinistic yeah whatever his name is molina not greg it's yeah it's molina Um, but it's not yeah not our not our friend molina (laughs) (laughs) but um famous protestant molinist uh, apologetic apologist 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 <laughs> we good grammar uh, we do good grammatic <laughs> i oh my gosh oh william lane craig oh we're not arguing for the christian god <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, but basically what molinism believes is that that we reconcile god divine sovereignty and human responsibility by saying that god looked at every possible iteration of how things could go and he created the best one the one where the most people freely mm. chose him. So God is like, if I created things and I created this individual and put them on this continent at this century in this place here and now, and they interacted with all these people, how many people in this universe would be saved? Yeah. And he looked at all of the possibilities and he made the one where the most people freely chose him. And so this supposedly pre- uh um, preserves God's sovereignty that he in con- he chooses the thing to create and he picks the 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 the, the timeline I guess yeah a- and also that it preserves man's freedom because we still freely choose God and this is called middle knowledge God's knowledge of all the possibilities is God's middle knowledge but what that denies is well this is Doctor Strange right he looks into all the possibilities yeah. and he picks the best one yeah it's literally Molinism I saw I yeah. think I saw a meme about it actually on one of the reformed meme social media pages <laughs> anyways i i it's funny because i was thinking about that earlier i have a friend who declares himself to be a molinist and kind of he described it to me in the way in a way of basically being like if someone knows you super 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 well they know how you'll probably react to a situation so it's not that they are making the decision for you they're just putting you in the position to make the decision yeah so it's like if i like, I know you pretty well. If I just leave a huge dump of dishes in the dishwasher, I know you're going to walk into the room and be annoyed about it. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of the idea of this. And, yeah, it it, yeah, it has the same problems, though, of, like... Well, it still makes God... First of all, it makes God reactionary, right? He looks yeah. at the best and he sees, okay, this one, the most people do the right thing, so I pick this one. So he's still... Yeah. 
acting and creating in accordance with what people do. God is still in response to people, which is yeah. bad. But also, where do all these timelines come from if God <laughs> has not decreed them to exist yeah. to be? Who made the timelines? Right. Where are these potential realities? Where do they, they? How do they exist? If everything that exists exists because God creates it, does that mean that God created all of them and then eliminated all the ones that he didn't realize? I don't yeah. know. It's it's very it very much denies and and compromises an understanding of a decree where God there is one reality there is not infinite and God picked the best one yeah there is one reality that God created according to the counsel of His will for the for the praise of His name, um, in which He saves His people and preserves them and is in control and this the the doctrine of God's decree is good news though it includes some tensions that we cannot reconcile, though it includes false accusations of injustice in God's part, it is good news that we have a God who has ordained all things that happen and that we can rest assured that nothing that happens surprises him or happens outside of his control. Yeah. Uh, this is this is good news. When, when he says he's going to save you, nothing is going to change. Right. Yeah. And when you are in a situation like maybe the current one is really scary for you, this is the the coronavirus didn't surprise God. Yeah, it's comforting to know that that nothing can shake God as our foundation yeah. because He is the one who has authored and who has created all things, including the decree of how things will happen. Yeah, and yet we're responsible for what we do. You know, culpable. Anyways, boom. Well, cool. Thanks that, for tuning in. Is that the episode? That's the episode. We'll see you next week for question eight, which talks about God's work of creation and providence. And, you know, we'll mm. get there. It's good stuff. Thank you for tuning in and for downloading. Please do get, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us immensely, whatever the nature of the reviews may be. <laughs> Several students have left some some funny things um, but please leave a review or a comment share it on some social media subscribe on the platforms that you listen to apple podcast spotify so on other other <laughs> i radio uh soundcloud There's gotta be other ones but i don't Google. know them. <laughs> i don't know them either i have a list anyways subscribe comment like share Check us out on Instagram uh, and Twitter at catechizedpod. Go to catechize.org for more episodes and information. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Catechize your kids. Catechize your kids.